Welcome to the Dish Up Podcast, the cheapest podcast production. Welcome back to episode 5 of the Dish Up Podcast, a food and cooking podcast. I am your host, Ken Hansen. You can find me on Twitter, at Ken Hansen. Instagram, at KenHansen81. You can find the podcast on Twitter, Dish Up Podcast 1. And on Instagram, Dish Up Podcast. Once again, another solo cast. I reached out to some guests. We are scheduled to record this Saturday. Two guests on. So not only are we uh, going hard, because I don't know how to have guests and record them but we're gonna make it complicated to have three of us so yeah we'll see how that turns out got some listener questions these are leftover questions from the last couple of weeks we just got so many questions I don't have to put out a Q&A every week um, as per usual I got a main main riff tool of the week Q&A At the end we're gonna have some weekly inspiration we're getting awfully close to Christmas Hanukkah well, Hanukkah already started Happy Hanukkah and whatever other stuff people enjoy around this time. But for most people listening, I assume it's Merry Christmas. So this week will just be a standard, ordinary, regular episode. And then next week with the two guests is going to be a very special Christmas episode. So I might drop it a couple days before Christmas, but might drop a Christmas morning to have a nice Christmas treat for all you. Just sitting down in the podcast studio right now. Got a vitamin water. Try a new flavor today. Got dragon fruit. Mega C with vitamin C. It's pretty tasty. It's uh, literally the word literally is literally one of the most misused adverbs of all time. Thanks for letting me know vitamin water. Put on your bottle. I don't know if that's going to make people drink vitamin waters, but good for you. So, kind of my main thesis for this is food opinions are bad. Previous listeners know this. But not all food opinions. I don't know all food opinions. And so, I wanted to find some extra food opinions that I thought were bad. So, I just googled bad food opinions. And turns out the mother load of bad opinion listicles is BuzzFeed and BuzzFeed Foods. Now, what a garbage organization this BuzzFeed is. All they do is take people's, they find someone on Twitter that has, asks for a bad food opinion. And then they just go through their Twitter and just repost a person's Twitter timeline. It takes no time. It takes no skill. And then they're like, oh, check out the 30 worst food opinions. And I don't give a crap if they don't like stuff. If they think that food opinion is bad. But part of why I dislike food opinions is that 
when someone makes a food opinion, especially on the internet, it becomes such a part of their internet identity. I know a guy, John Thompson, terrific barbecue guy out of Ottawa, one of the co-founders of the Canadian Barbecue Society. All around terrific guy. I want to say about four or five years ago, made a post. I don't even remember what it was. Something about hot dog water. And now, any hot dog meme on Facebook, hot dog water meme on Facebook, anything related to water or hot dogs together or separately, he gets tagged. You know what? I should ask John. I should ask John how many days... When was the last time he wasn't tagged in a hot dog meme? And I bet you it was over five years ago. So now that's part of his internet identity. He's the hot dog water guy. I know a guy I play basketball with. And he said, I don't like pineapple on pizza. Anytime there's a hot dog or a pineapple pizza. Did I say hot dogs on pizza? Did I say pineapples on pizza? He doesn't like pineapples on pizza. Doesn't think they belong. I disagree with him, but I don't care. If you don't want pineapples on your pizza, I don't care. But now it's part of his online digital identity. He's the no pineapples on pizza guy. And that's why I don't like food opinions, especially on the internet. Because they just have a way of attaching. Like Velcro balls. They just stick to you. Like dog hair. It just sticks to you. And all of a sudden, that's, that's who you are. And things might change. You might have a pizza that has pineapple. And you're like, this is the one that made it okay. Because, and I'm not trying to convince him to change his mind. I don't care. But. You can dislike something, especially if it's from a chain place or a cheap place. But then you'll go somewhere and you'll have something. And it's from a high-end place and it's really good. And you're like, oh, never mind. When it's made properly, I don't mind that. But when your identity is so wrapped up, you might never even try because you're like, nope, that's not what I do. I am not the pineapple on pizza guy. And I don't want to keep on bagging on them. But that's just the easiest example for me. And so BuzzFeed. They have this list of 30 bad food opinions. And they actually have so many of these different lists that they have a searchable hashtag or searchable tag food opinions on BuzzFeed. And so they're just propagating these bad food opinions just for clicks for garbage clicks they throw these things on Facebook and out of the 30 a hundred thousand people will, will know someone who has that so they'll tag them so these posts get all sorts of garbage tags it's just not good sorry if this is coming off a little bit of ranty I don't typically like to rant rant but I just searched for bad food opinions. That's just what came up. The first six articles were just different lists from BuzzFeed saying 
Yeah, look at these stupid, bad food opinions. So someone thinks mashed potatoes are gross. Guess what? When I was a kid, I thought mashed potatoes were wicked gross. Did I grow up and start eating mashed potatoes? Yeah, with a shit ton of gravy on them and some butter. Now as an adult, have I learned how to make them so I like them? Absolutely. Made some mashed taters this week. Mashed them taters up. Peeled the skins off. Tossed them in a pot. Cut them up. Small chunks. Tossed them in a pot of water. Got them till they were soft. Tossed them in the stand mixer. With the whisk attachment. Not the paddle or the blade. The whisk attachment. Sour cream. Butter. A little bit of buttermilk. And just whip those things till they were clouds. So you can have something where you didn't like it. and But as a kid, I didn't say, oh, I don't like mashed potatoes. And it wasn't part of my identity. But this is what the internet's doing for the most part. It's making stuff worse by food opinions. But I'm getting off track. I don't have to go on a whole anti-internet rant. Because the internet is what's going to bring this to your ears. And hopefully let you enjoy this. So I don't want to come off sounding contradictory. So the internet is good for some things. Like this podcast. Dish Up Podcast Episode 5. So now we'll hop over to... My favorite segment. Tool of the Week. So what I'm trying to do with these Tool of the Week segments. Is kind of... If you are kind of just starting to... To really feel your way around the kitchen. Like obviously. If you're. Julienning peppers. For. A risotto. Or something like that. You don't need to listen to my two of the weeks. Because you already know what you're doing. This is for the people that are just just starting to get comfortable in the kitchen. Or they're not even comfortable at all. But they want to know those those things. You know, the little things that you need to know. So that's what I'm trying to do. So we've had instant read thermometers. I think absolutely essential. A good, well-balanced chef's knife. Doesn't have to be extravagant. Just a nice, basic chef's knife that you can keep sharp. Today we're going a little diverging off the the beaten path. And my tool of the week this week is a microplane. Also known as a a mini grater. So I'm sure most of you um, would know a box grater. You know, you got that big, it's about 8 inches tall. There's the big cutty parts on the one side, the smally cutty parts on the other side, the cheese slicer on the one side, and then I don't know what the other side for. It just looks like a medieval torture trap. And those are good. But they don't offer you a whole lot of flexibility or mobility. And most people just use them for, for cheese. But I like a microplane. 
So a microplane is like a handheld plane, typically with a you know short four-inch handle, and then six-inch metal blade plate with a bunch of tiny holes in it. Looks like a grater, a real fine. So something like for grating parmesan, like last week. I uh, had mentioned making Parmesan crisps. So this, that's what I'd use a microplane for. Real fine Parmesan. Um, another place where they're really, really awesome is, uh, you know, zesting limes and lemons. So I like zesting a lime or a lemon and tossing the zest into some rice. So if I'm just making just like just regular rice, I'm gonna throw some some chicken or something on top of just to, to spice up that rice. And when I say spice, I don't mean actual spice. When I want to zhuzh up the rice, throw a little bit of lemon zest, a little bit of lime zest in there, cup full of frozen peas, just to give it a little more body rather than just white rice. And so that's what I'll use this microplane for. Um, if you're trying to be fancy, like real fancy, and you made like, even if you didn't even make them, if you bought them, if you bought macaroons, fancy little wafer, little bit of stuff inside, those fancy French, what would the, what would the French call them other than macaroons? I wouldn't call them a biscuit. I guess the English would call them kind of like a biscuit. I guess in France you'd you'd buy them at the patissier, at the patisserie, macarons, and you want to plate them. You want to make them look super fancy. You just toss them on a plate, take out the microplane, a little bit of white chocolate, hit it over top of that. Chef's kiss is gonna look amazing. So that's the kind of stuff you're going to use a microplane for. You're not going to use it for like industrious tasks. Like you're making a carrot cake and you need to grate all those carrots up. You're not going to use it for that. But you're going to use it for these little tasks that are going to just add that little bit of extra onto what you're doing. Next up, we have questions from listeners. Facebook followers, Twitter followers, Instagram followers. Two questions today. One is a technique and one is a recipe. And so I think I'm going to do that for the question and answers. I don't want to have a dedicated recipe segment. So if a recipe question comes through, I'll typically do one longer recipe segment in the question and answer. And I'll do one or two shorter ones. So first off, Facebook follower, Alana, she sent in, best way to clean a whisk. So whisks, 
are tricky, right? It's just a bunch of hard steel wires looped around. Term for a whisk, a typical whisk is a, a balloon whisk because it looks like a balloon. And what happens is right where all the wires cross at the top gets all bunged up with whatever. Egg. Wow, what else? Whisk, where's the whisk? Dough. Gets all bunged up in there. And if you're good about it, you can clean it when it's still wet. And if you're not, and you make pancakes Sunday morning, and you don't clean up until Sunday night, you got caked on pancake batter on your whisk. And so she says, best way to clean a whisk. And without a doubt, the best way to clean a whisk is by using it as a whisk. Not hot, or not hard. Yeah, sink full of soapy water. You just take that whisk and <laughs> hammer through the water for 30 seconds. She's clean. If it's caked on, hot water in a cup with dish soap. And you're just going to have to let it soak. And then when it's soaked, same thing. Hot water. If you don't want to run a whole sink full, get a bowl, fill it with some soap and some water. And you just got to whisk it. Which is kind of awesome. It's one of the few things that you, how you use it and how you clean it is the exact same method. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of any other. Because you can't do that with a knife. You can't cut through it. Something to clean it. So I don't know. But yeah. Easiest way to clean a whisk. Just use it as a whisk. Obviously, do it when it's wet. I know I've been victim of this many times where you just chuck it in the sink and you come back eight hours later and it's all crusted. Or put it in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah, so that's question one from Alina. A question two. Family friend Nancy. Friend of my wife's. She asked, best pulled pork. So now, with a barbecue background I have, pulled pork is one of those, usually is one of those barbecue foods that you first learn how to cook. And when I mean barbecue, I mean southern style, slow smoke barbecue. Because there's a ton of fat. And it's tough to fuck up. Because there's so much fat. And even if you do overcook it, you just throw more barbecue sauce on it. That's all people want. They just want meat and barbecue sauce. So typically, when someone asks me, hey, how do you barbecue pulled pork? You know, it's set the smoker to this temperature. You cook it for this many. But I know Nancy. I know she doesn't have a charcoal barbecue, pellet grill, whatever. So, I can only presume two ways she's going to do it. Crock pot, oven, oven roast. 
So now, you can make pulled pork out of just about any kind of pork. But, the leaner your pork, the more dry it's going to be. So the most popular cut is pork butt, pork shoulder. Boston butt. Because there's a lot of internal fat. And so with these big fatty cuts of meat, you cook them for a long time at a low temperature. And what that's doing is that's slowly breaking down all of the fat, all of the cartilage. Just all, all that, that stuff. And it's all inside. Not all, most of it's inside. And so what happens is you melt out all this fat. It's called rendering. You render the fat. And it leaks out. And cooks rules. Fat is flavor. So you're basically basting your pork from the inside out when it's got all this internal fat. You're basting it from the inside out. So you want to use a high fat content chunk of meat. Flavor it however you want. I don't care. Barbecue is a lot of, you know, high sugar. They want that bark, so they want that that sugar in the rubs to melt and get that, that dark bark. Use Greek seasoning. Use lemon pepper. Use just salt and pepper. Go for it. Because ultimately, taste is up to you. I can help you with texture. Because texture is mostly, is more universal than flavor. So you want a fatty chunk of meat, whatever, spices, rubs, whatever you want. Now one thing about a slow cooker is it just cooks it till you open it up. So a lot of times it'll be overcooked, but it's also been sitting in all of its fats in a small container. So it's overcooked, which will lead to it being mushy, but it's not going to dry out. So what you want to do is you want to take, you want to be aware of the temperature of your pork. You don't want to become mushy. So there's a sweet spot, a golden zone. So food, big hunks of meat like that. Typically the golden zone, 195, 205. It could be earlier than that, could be later than that. But that's the golden zone. So you check it, you check it, you check it. If you got a leave-in thermometer, great. If you don't have anything, you stick a fork in it, try to twist it. If it twists easily, it's done. If it doesn't twist at all, gotta cook it some more. So you're gonna cook it, now it's done. So now, all that fat's rendered out, 
you probably tossed a can of Coke or whatever in the, the crock pot as well. So you have all this juice in the bottom. That's great juice to mix in. But what you want to do first is get a fat separator, put all that juice in your fat separator, get all the slimy stuff off, and keep all the good silky stuff. So we figured this out with our barbecue team. And you ever cook some meat, beef, pork, and you toss it in a bowl, the leftovers, in the fridge. And the next day you go to pull it out. And there's just like a slimy coating on the bottom. So typically there's a gross coating on top of a slimy coating. The gross coating on top is what we want to get rid of in the fat separator. The slimy stuff in the bottom is what you want to keep. So the slimy stuff, when it's not, when it's still hot, will coat the meat and give it like a silky texture. Whereas if you put that other stuff, because it's going to cool, and when that other stuff cools, it coagulates and gets kind of gross. And you can see it like as, like if you had a bowl of pulled pork, you could see it. It turns that little white color. So that's stuff you want to get rid of. So you cook your pork roast, your pork butt, take it out, take those juices, separate the fat, put the good stuff back in, mix it up, add some more barbecue sauce in. Bingo, bango, Robert Chianco. So that's not exactly a recipe, like two cups this, one cup this, Add two tablespoons of that. Those are more principles for you to use to make good pulled pork. Now, it'll be better than the pulled pork you're making now, hopefully. But, do that for a couple times, and you'll be like, well, now we got to level up. So now there's other things you can do. You can inject into it. You can put flavor inside of it. You can use, you know, different binding agents for your rubs to give it different textures and stuff like that. But basic pulled pork, how to get it the best with what you have in your kitchen. That is by far, I think, the easiest way to do it without screwing anything up. And that brings us to our weekly inspiration. So I'm going to pivot on this one. And instead of it being a food inspiration, I'm going to take someone who's an artist. Um, I found him on Twitter. There's a, a real vibrant Raptors Twitter community. And I found him because he's done some art does a lot of art around basketball. He's from the Toronto area, so Raptors primarily. And uh, just started seeing some stuff he posted. You know, 
some posters he did, some clothing, started doing face masks, just started following him, and uh, just seemed like a nice guy, but also seemed very inspired. His name is Casey Bannerman. Instagram's probably the best place, the visual medium, he's an artist. Casey underscore Bannerman, B-A-N-N-E-R-M-A-N. Terrific artist. I think we have now four of his pieces. A poster and just got his Fred Van Vliet jersey. And just an absolute inspiration. One of the inspirations for this podcast. You know, we you, you start off on Twitter. You send polite messages back and forth. Hey, you like your stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comment on when they're, when they're talking sports. Hey, yeah, yeah. I think that was a good move. I don't think that's a good move. And you just kind of build a, a online relationship. And you, you kind of take an interest in the things that they're doing. And Casey, over the last two years has done tremendous stuff in my opinion personal opinion but he's getting noticed I can't be the only one who thinks he's doing a great job and so when you see people like this and you see him doing stuff and you think well they can do stuff I can do stuff I don't have any artistic talent what I can do is run my mouth. I've been a huge podcast fan for years. A decade ago with some friends. I was like, man, we should start a podcast. We should start a podcast. Like, oh, let's do this, this. I'm like, we should start a podcast. And so finally, just seeing people like Casey and other people, you know, starting to do stuff. He's not starting to do stuff. He's an artist, tremendous artist. But doing stuff. But you find out about them. And it just gives you a feeling like, well, let's go try something. You know. People that are, are doing good, they started doing good because they tried something. So let's try something. Two people can listen to it. 200 people can listen to it. But let's try something. Now, me and Casey, we've had a couple interactions, some DMs back and forth. And, uh, you know, he, he just made some shifts in his life that I've also kind of made those shifts at different parts of our lives that, you know, led us to be able to think a certain way. He has his business. I'm gonna, not going to put his business out there. But we both have kind of not shared experiences, similar experiences. And so just seeing a guy like him turn the corner, start doing an amazing job and start getting noticed is just an inspiration to someone like me. I'm like, well, let's try it. So Casey is like, there's five people that I really look up to as influences for starting this podcast. And Casey is absolutely one of those five. So yeah, so you want to check him out Instagram Casey C-A-S-E-Y underscore Bannerman B-A-N-N-E-R-M-A-N on Instagram check him out awesome work he's got a website he's got a web store go spend money on his stuff it is amazing
And that's about going to do it for the episode five of the Dish Up podcast with me, your host, Kent Hansen. You can find me, Kent Hansen81, on Instagram, at Kent Hansen, on Twitter. You can find the podcast, pod, no, dish underscore up underscore podcast on Instagram, and dish up podcast and the number one on Twitter. Or you can just follow me on the socials. As per usual, when we get 200 followers, Brooks Whelan, former SNL guest, said he would be on the show. The first three episodes, like a rocket, we are shooting to the moon. I don't know what happened last episode. We kind of plateaued. So, if you listen to this, if you like this, even if you don't like it, I don't care. Tell someone about it. Share it with someone. And say, hey, check this out. Because we get 200 people. Brooks Whelan from Travels and Such, YouTube show with Brooks Whelan on All Things Comedy, and Entry Level with Brooks Whelan, said he would be a guest on my show. I have four celebrities I'd like on the show. Brooks is one of them. But I think if I could get Brooks, we could get a couple more. So Brooks is, he's that great white whale. So if we can get 200 followers, check us out, Spotify, iTunes. Spotify works best if you follow on there, just because of how we record this. Everything, all of our all of our analytics are easier to figure out through Spotify. But not everyone has Spotify, so listen on iTunes. Share it. Tell everyone. Yeah, let's try to get 200 followers. Then we get 200. Then we'll get 300. And like my man, Big Tasty Inc., who just crossed the 500 threshold followers, let's go.